Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. One of the biggest challenges from 2022 was the baby formula shortage. Remember, as uh, part of this plan when we had this shortage, uh, to get formula on shelves, Congress actually suspended tariffs on foreign imported products. Uh, now, those very same tariffs that were suspended by Congress are set to snap back into place in January. So the question is, one, let's go through that process in terms of what happened, and then let's project forward and what happens next and how that's all going to play out. Really pleased to have back on the program Catherine Rampell, an opinion columnist at the Washington Post, who has followed uh, this whole thing. Some say debacle, fix, debacle, uh, or debacle, 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 or just really bad supply chain issues. Uh, Catherine, uh, one, thanks for joining us. And two, just kind of reset the stage for us in terms of what played out uh, and then where are we now? Sure. So thanks for having me. As I'm sure listeners will remember, there have been tons of supply chain problems over the past couple of years, but none have perhaps been more distressing than what's gone on in the infant formula market. Um, Basically, the proximate cause was that back in February, a major uh, factory that produces infant formula um, owned by Abbott in uh, Sturgis, uh, Michigan, had to shut down after some, some suspected contamination issues when some babies fell ill. Um, and that single plant produced something like 20% of all of the formula um, that was produced in the United States at the time. A lot of product that was already on the shelf got recalled. New product wasn't coming, uh, wasn't flowing into the system. And parents, of course, uh, who were anxious, who wanted to feed their babies, uh, started panic buying and hoarding. Right. And all of this resulted in severe shortages around the country. I think at the worst point um, during all of this, which was probably in in May or June, um, out-of-stock rates reached something like 74% nationally. And in about 10 states, uh, the out-of-stock rates were were hovering around 90%. So it was really, really bad. (laughs) As anybody who had a baby to feed, uh, who has a baby to feed, may recall. Yeah, and just that uncertainty, I think, especially for a parent, especially for a new parent, uh, that kind of uncertainty uh, unleashes a kind of stressful mental gymnastics, emotional gymnastics of how am I going to take care of this baby uh, is so significant, and, and the uncertainties were, were just crucial. 
Uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm glad you pointed out the fact that this was a uh, a plant issue. So this was not a congressional issue. Uh, this was just a an unfortunate issue. Uh, but it really exposed a lot of particular challenges as it relates to this industry. Uh, so then, of course, Congress right. stepped in and uh, take, pick it up from there. Sure. So like I said, the proximate cause was this one factory, but there just wasn't a ton of resiliency in the overall supply chain for yeah. infant formula, even though this is like this very critical product <laughs> that, that millions of families need to purchase. Um, and so at the time, there was this question of like, well, how do you get more product on the shelf quickly, given that, um, you know, Abbott, which is, you know, the company who, who, that had a plant go down, um, was such a major player in the industry. How do you replace that supply quickly? And part of the challenge is that in the United States, we have essentially, or we had essentially all but bricked off the ability of uh, foreign foreign formula manufacturers to enter the U.S. market. And I'm talking about um, companies, you know, popular, uh, very strongly regulated products um, in countries like New Zealand, the EU, the U.K., Singapore, Australia, et cetera, places where, you know, the regulatory authorities actually do take consumer safety very, very seriously. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about, you know, um, countries where there isn't much of a, of a regulatory regime in place to, to make sure that what gets fed to babies is, is safe and healthy and nutritious. Uh, those products in these, in these developed countries with strict uh, regulatory requirements were not allowed into the United States due to a combination of a lot of regulatory hassle that we have here. Uh, so things like, you know, very persnickety labeling requirements, um, again, you know, maybe may well-intended, you want to keep babies safe, but things that didn't necessarily affect the quality of the product, as well as tariffs. We have these very high tariffs historically on infant formula and its ingredients. It's about a 25% rate, as well as some quotas. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, that that affects the ability to bring in um, foreign formula under that, at, at even that tariff rate. Uh, so all of this combined meant that we had very few imports. Um, in this industry, even from, again, countries whose regulatory regimes we generally trust. Uh, It was less than 2% of formula that was produced in the U.S. came from abroad. And in fact, the USMCA, which was the the new NAFTA deal um, that former President Trump had signed, folks may remember that, that effectively blocked all Canadian-made infant formula entirely from coming into the United States. So among the things that... um, the FDA and that Congress uh, and the president did earlier this year involved 
um, you know, getting rid of some of that red tape, saying, okay, we're in an emergency situation. Let's get rid of the tariffs. Let's, um, you know, loosen up some of the relatively meaningless regulatory burdens. You know, still have quality control, obviously, but like maybe we don't care about the format of the nutritional label as long as we know what the nutrition is, et cetera. Um, and so there were a bunch of things done like that. There were some very high profile things that I think maybe got a lot of attention, but didn't matter as much. You know, there were all these military jets that were commissioned right. to fly in formula. Um, what mattered wasn't the the vessel on which the formula came in. It was that it could come in at all. Right. Um, and unfortunately, uh, those tariffs are set to snap back into place in two weeks. Um, the the uh, initial acute problems with formula shortages are much better today than they had been earlier this year, although there's still some problems around the country. Some places around the country still have uh, high stockout rates. But in any event, you know, we're going back to the system that left us with this very um, lack of resiliency in the yeah. first place. If there is another shock, another supply shock, right. um, you know, heaven forbid, in the next year or the next few months, we could be back in the exact same place. Yeah. So it's just unfortunate that, that Congress has not kind of learned its lesson about how to build out more resilient supply chains here. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's so vital, and it's one of these other things that uh, we get a little frustrated about around here, and, and that is the fact that Congress knew that, that this date was coming. <laughs> they knew it was coming, mm-hmm. uh, and yet uh, nothing was done, nothing was done, and now here we are two weeks away from this snapback uh, of those tariffs, and uh, we're, we don't have a, a good plan in place. And as you said, uh, if we have another shock to that supply chain or to that system, uh, we could be right back where we where we started. Is there anything in particular uh, that you're watching uh, or ways that this might get done, changed, tweaked, or, or something new uh, over the next few weeks? Well, the FDA has said to its credit that it will extend um, that, uh, for lack of a better word, like regulatory flexibility that they've given to some foreign um, companies, foreign, foreign products that have already been vetted. Uh, for another couple of years, that's good. But, you know, as we've been discussing, the tariffs are going to go back into place, and it would require Congress to step in and say, no, we think until we can, you know, come up with a a much more reliable supply chain, until we can introduce a lot more competition at the very least, um, domestically, ideally, uh, internationally as well, in this critical industry, we are going to uh, decide to continue suspending these taxes, essentially, these additional taxes on infant formula. But so far, Congress doesn't seem interested in doing that. And that's partly because, you know, there are um, interest groups that stand to benefit from the tariffs. If you work in the dairy industry, Mm. um, like many industries, you know, you you want more protectionism for your domestic suppliers. So they're a major lobbyist on all of this. And, you know, the, look, the dairy industry has its own challenges. I understand why they're looking out for their own interests. Um, but if we care about solving this long-term problem, um, and, you know, and, and, and fixing the weaknesses in this critical, critical market, uh, you do need to figure out how to introduce more competition, including more competition from abroad, which means uh, not making the foreign products unduly expensive, especially when they might be the only supplies available. I think that's especially true with uh, with infants who have uh, some some of those additional health challenges or uh, yes. uh, some of those kind of things that are especially uh, difficult. And a lot of those foreign formulas are the, the ones that they actually need. 
in terms of those with you know sensitive stomachs and some of those other uh, other issues going on there. So well, we will continue to watch that. Uh, Catherine Rampell, opinion columnist at The Washington Post, great insight on this, and we will continue to watch that. Thanks so much for jumping on with us today. Thank you. We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. Much more to come on Inside Sources. President Biden has announced his first presidential trip for 2023. We're going to play where in the world will the president go? Europe, China, South America? Maybe it's somewhere else. Find out. Coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.